Well, have you ever taken on a, a project around your house that at first you assumed was just going to be a, a minor task, but then it ended up being a, a major project? Last fall, I realized that I needed to, uh, to clean our gutters. And uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a genius, but the Niagara Falls effect that we were getting in our driveway and on our back patio kind of made it clear and obvious that and the, the window in our living room that was leaking because the water was coming uh, straight down. And so uh, I looked at the problem and, and, and realized that we had one big issue. That is the back of our house is about 20 feet straight up. There's no ledges or windows that you can climb out. And so... I duct taped three baseball bats and a couple of hockey sticks together and tried to, tried to make that work. I know you're shocked it didn't. And, and so Laura actually got online and she found one of our neighbors was selling or giving away actually their, their 25 foot ladder. And so I went over and, and grabbed it. I like to call it the stairway to heaven because that's what it feels like as you're climbing up this thing that you're, you're never coming down. There's never an end to it. And so I hauled it back to our place and I extended it all the way up as far as it would go. And I got it leveled out on the back patio and, and I climbed that ladder. I climbed all the way to the very end of it, to the very top. And I immediately climbed back down and went inside and changed my pants because it was so high and so wobbly, right? It just, it terrified me. And so I came back out and I mustered up all of my courage and my strength and I climbed back up that ladder. And while I was at the top of the ladder, I, I just reached out with one arm, right? I was just doing like, like this, just in the, in the like two foot section right next to me. And I could only use one arm because the other one was hugging that ladder like a high schooler at prom, right? Like I wasn't letting go. I was just, I was just desperately holding on. And when that two foot section got cleaned, I, I would come back down. I would move the ladder over one arm length, right? And set it back up and make sure it got balanced and level. And I'd go back up and I'd clean one section and come back down. And after about five times, I just put up a for sale sign on the front lawn because it just wasn't, it just wasn't worth it anymore. My favorite part though is that I'm not a big fan of heights if you couldn't tell. And so I asked Ty if he would come out and if he would hold the bottom of the ladder. And so he did, I, I climbed to the very top. And again, I got to the top and it's shaking and wobbly. And I looked down and there's Ty and he's at the bottom of the, of the ladder on his phone. And I'm like, Ty, quit texting. He's like, I'm not texting. He said, I just want to make sure if you fall, I get it on video. And I'm like, ah, it's hard to be angry and proud at the same moment. I'm like, right, I'll probably do the, the same thing. So Mike has taught us in this series that, that the same thing happens in our lives, that God has taken us on as a project and he wants to change our lives. But I think if, if we're honest, most of us, right, when we, when we decided to follow Jesus, when we started this relationship, we weren't thinking that this was going to be an overhaul of our entire lives. We were thinking, well, maybe God will just make a couple of little, a little tweaks, a couple of little changes here and there. He's going to make it a little bit easier for us. Maybe take away a couple of those temptations or that issue that I struggle with. Maybe remove a few of those sins, that, that bad habit. Make me a, a better spouse. Make me a, a better parent. But when God looks at our lives, he's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking overhaul, right? I'm thinking we're going to have to start from the ground and build up. Because when it comes to me, right, and, and changing my life, right, my tendency is just to think, well, I just want my life to be a little bit better. I just want a, a little bit better or newer version of Donnie, Donnie 2.0. But when God looks at our lives, he's like, that's not what I'm interested in. God's goal for us is that our lives will be brought into alignment with the image and the character of Jesus. And see, God is so smart because he knows that he could just tell us to start doing things or stop doing things or do better at those things or try harder over here, but he knows that that wouldn't work in our lives because we do that all the time. And we start and we stop and we do and we try and nothing changes in our lives. 
because we don't have the ability to change our character, to change us. See, the Bible teaches that while Jesus' death freed us from the rule of sin in our lives, it also teaches that that we haven't yet been completely freed from the presence and the influence of sin in our lives. See, we live between two moments in salvation. We live between the arrival of salvation that happened when Jesus first came and the ultimate fulfillment of salvation when Jesus comes back, when he establishes his eternal kingdom here. Theologians call this the the in-between reality, the already and the not yet aspects of salvation. Because it's true that Jesus has already brought salvation that through his death on the cross, right, through, through his resurrection that we have been saved. We also know that he has also already made us new creatures, new creations. He, he's given us new desires. He's given us the, the power to obey and to say no to our sin. He's freed us from sin being in control of our lives. He's freed us from the slavery of sin. That's already happened. But at the same time, we've not yet arrived. We haven't yet been fully removed from our sin. Satan still has influence in our lives. And Jesus hasn't yet freed us from the presence and the consequences of our sin. See, the good news, the good news is that this already and and not yet reality is actually something that helps us understand our lives and understand the perspectives that we have. See, we shouldn't be surprised that even though we've been changed, we're still going to struggle. And it's okay to struggle with our weaknesses and with our imperfections. That as we live in the ugliness of a fallen world, we know that we're gonna have to deal with the brokenness of people that let us down. We have to deal with things like sickness and death and unfathomable things like what happened in Las Vegas this past week. And so we shouldn't despair over the ongoing struggles of sin in our lives. This is just part of the deal. Jesus has already brought salvation for us, but he hasn't yet taken us home. It helps me to think of it in in kind of a a three-step process. The first is that we have been changed when we come into a relationship with Jesus, but we're still changing. It hasn't been completed in our lives yet until God comes back and, and changes us for eternity. See, it's important for us to also understand and know, though, too, that that Satan knows our weaknesses. Satan knows the areas in our lives where we're vulnerable. He knows when a married couple is fighting, and he knows when one of them is feeling like, maybe maybe someone else would understand me better. Maybe someone else would sympathize with me. He knows when a child has been punished by his parents that that he may be feeling, or she may be feeling a little spiteful in that moment. He knows when things aren't going well at work and just where the bar is on the way home. See, as Mike's been talking about, if we want to put off the old self in our lives and keep it off, we need to find help to do that. And so where do we find that help? Well, the Bible tells us and and answers this for us, I think both the who and the how that we should do this. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Galatians chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens or you can download our app as well. And we've got notes in there. While you're turning to Galatians 6, let me just kind of set this up. Paul wrote this as a letter to a church. Now, one time Paul, right, as, as before he wrote this letter, he didn't believe in Jesus. But then one day Paul met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, everything in Paul's life changed. 
And so now Paul is following Jesus and he writes this letter, but he also understands that just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean that everything in our lives is automatically better or different or changed. Galatians 5, beginning of verse 16 says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, I'm, I'm simple, right? I really am. That's why I think I, I worked so well with high school students for years, because I'm just at their level. That's just, that's just kind of where I am and where I hang out. Last week, we... Uh, we sat in church and I was sitting next to Laura uh, and she was sitting next to Gary Vett. And Gary was following along, following Mike and his message and, and he was reading his Bible, but his Bible was written in Greek. And Laura looked over and she looked at me and she says, do you, do you know what that says? I said, come on, right? Like, of course I know what that says. Yes, I know what that says. It says that I didn't pay enough attention in seminary and I have no idea, I have no idea what that says. I'm just a simple guy, I need pictures in the books that, that I read, right? And so, so I wanna share with you, here's my understanding of how we deal with sin in our lives and I wanna give you a few pictures that maybe will help you out. These are some, some pictures and some context, or concepts taken from Josh Harris's book, Dug Down Deep. And so here's the, here's the first picture and here's the first concept with this. As humans, we're all made in God's image. Now, ladies, I'm sorry that you have to identify with this little guy. I, I have no idea why he's not wearing a shirt or pants. I didn't draw it. It's just, a, it's just the image that, that he had. But we're, we're made in God's image, every single one of us. But we have a sin nature, right? We have to understand this. And I, I don't know if it really looks like Jabba the Hutt meets a, a, a WWE wrestler. I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's exactly accurate. But these are the, the sinful, corrupted desires that we have in our heart. The stuff that makes us want to live for ourselves, the stuff that makes us want to be selfish, the stuff that makes us want to disobey God's ways and God's commands in our lives. You see, we were born with it. Now, it's, it's important for us to understand this isn't something that's on the outside. This isn't a, a temptation thing. It's not something that just shows up. And it's not, it's not just part of us. It's not something that shows up every once in a while and then it'll go away for a while. This is who we are apart from Jesus. This is who we are. See, before Jesus saves us, the Bible says that we are slaves to our sinful desires. Our sin nature is boss in our lives. It controls us. And even though we do good things, all of those things are still stained by sin and they're stained by our selfishness. I know you're, you're thinking, Donnie, wow, this is, you're very positive tonight, right? This is, this is fantastic. Uh, but we do need to understand this, that this happens to every single one of us. This is how we're born. And it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many nice things you do. This is the reality of our lives. But there's hope, right? And the hope is this, is that when we put our trust in Jesus, that everything changes. Because Jesus died on the cross and he conquered sin, and because he rose again, we are freed from the power of sin to control us. It no longer controls us in our lives. It's no longer the boss. The chain is broken. And not only that, but we get new clothes. And, and I, don't know, I don't know exactly how that works, right? It's like a double bonus, but I think that represents the, the new self, right? The Mike is gonna talk about that over these next couple weeks. Everything changes through Jesus. But unfortunately, it, it doesn't always get better. See, our sin nature, it, it doesn't disappear. It's no longer in charge, but it's still a reality in our lives. It's still 
hangs out. Its job is to still entice us. And even though we've become Christians, we've become followers of Jesus. Even though we're no longer slaves to sin and, and it's powerless in our lives, it's still there and it still tempts us. Now, because of Jesus, we have the, the option, we have the power to choose to say no and to resist it and walk away that we didn't have before. But until we're in heaven, that presence is not gonna be removed and those sinful desires are always going to be there. Now, I wanna be real clear about this. This isn't a tie, right, between the Holy Spirit and, and our sin nature. They're not equal forces that are just going back and forth and one day one's winning and, and one day the next is winning. The Holy Spirit is far stronger than our sin nature, right? It's not even comparable in that. And he completely empowers us to say no to our sin because the job of the Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus is to transform us into the image of Jesus. But it comes down to the fact of are we willing to listen? Are we willing to obey. See, that's why the Bible is full of encouragement for us to fight our sinful desires. We can't live at peace with our sin nature. And so we need to attack it. We need to deny it. We need to do everything that we can to kill it in our lives. Now I want to pause here for just a minute and I want to go back to, to Galatians chapter 5 at verse 19. It says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Let me just stop there for a second. Don't put your hands up. Has anyone done any of the things on, on this list before? Maybe once or twice? Now, if there happens to be anybody in here and you're reading this list and you're like, Donnie, I don't think I've done any of those things on that list. There is one other word. And in Greek, when you translate it, it's this, liar, right? Liar, because we've all done at least one of those things, right? We've fallen to that list. And even if you haven't, even if you could possibly sit there and look at that list and say, I've never done sorcery or anything. I'm pretty sure that I haven't done any of those things. Look at how Paul finishes it. He says this, and other sins like these, right? So he's got you covered no matter what. He's not trying to give us a, an exact list of all of the sin. He's just trying to help us understand that, that our sin nature is real and it's still there. See, the problem is, is that too often what we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that we make friends with our sin. In fact, what we do is we, we feed it. We feed our sin when we do the things that we said we didn't wanna do anymore. When we give in to those temptations, when we go back into those old habits, when we go back to the old self and we allow that to be our identity again, then we become like who we don't want to be. We give in to those temptations. We think about sinful thoughts. We start spending time with people and in places that either tempt us or celebrate sin. And all of these things feed our sin nature. And here's some of the things that we do with it, right? We tell ourselves lies like this that no one else will know, right? No one else will know. If I, if I just do this one time, I can keep this a secret. I can just keep this to myself. No one else will even know that I did it. Or maybe this, it's only gonna affect me, right? If I do this thing, I, I can do it. And, it, and it, may, I might, it might hurt me a little bit, but it's not gonna hurt anybody else. Nobody else will be affected by this. Or maybe it's this one, I can quit anytime I want. It's not in control of me. I'm not addicted to it, right? I, I, can, I can stop it. I, I don't want to stop it right now. I'm going to do it this one time, but I could stop it tomorrow if I wanted to. And as a result, our sin nature grows. And before we know it, our sin nature is bigger and it's stronger than we are and it starts to push us around. 
See, this is why even as, as genuine Christians who have been set free, we're no longer wearing the, the chains of sin in our lives. For some of us, we still feel like our, our old ways, our past habits, our past sin, it, it's still bullying us. It's still pushing us around. And quickly we realize, I can't quit. I thought I could. I just can't stop this habit. I can't stop this pattern in my life. My sin my sin, it doesn't just impact me. My sin impacts and hurts other people around me. The consequences of my sin, it's destroying my faith, it's destroying my family, it's destroying my future. And so what do we do with this? Well, Galatians 5 says this in, in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, here's the last picture. We have to starve our sin nature. This is what we want our sin nature to look like. We want it to look weak. We want it to be powerless in our lives. Now, don't miss this, right? We can't expect that it's just gonna go away. It's not. It's not gonna be completely gone until Jesus comes back and, and until he makes us perfect. And we need to be very wise because even a weak, even a wimpy sin nature can still trip us up in temptation. But when we starve our sin nature, it gives us the ability to resist those temptations. It gives us the opportunity to say no and to walk in obedience and, and step into the new self, the new life, that God desires for us. When we starve it, we starve it by following God's spirit in every part of our lives. But to do this, to do this, we need help. And there's a couple of things. The first is this, we need the power of the spirit and the power of God's word in our lives. And Mike's gonna talk about that over the next couple of weeks. So I'm not gonna talk about that tonight. But here's what I do wanna talk about is that you need someone to hold you accountable. So you need a support system. You need someone that's gonna help you remember that's the old life. That's how you used to be. That's who you used to be. That's not you anymore. You don't want to go back in that direction. We need someone in our lives that's gonna encourage us to make the right choices when life gets real and stuff comes at us. Galatians 6 verse one says this, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Several years ago, Tom Brokaw did a, an interview uh, with Ted Haggard. And Ted Haggard was a pastor at, at one of the largest churches in America at the time. And, and it was at the height of its popularity and influence and Brokaw insightfully asked this question uh, or asked about, about this to, to Haggard. And he said, why is it that there's so little mention of sin in your church? And Haggard said this, that since Jesus took care of our sin at the cross, the church's emphasis was now on filling the destiny that God had called them to. That sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds fantastic. So the problem is, is that sadly just a, a few years later, Haggard was forced to resign because of a serious pattern of sexual immorality in his life that was revealed. You see, a casual attitude towards sin should be a warning to us that we need to take ours very, very seriously. Yes, Jesus dealt with our sin at the cross. 
And when we trust him, we know confidently that we will never face the wrath of God. But that doesn't mean that we can ignore the fight that still remains with our sin nature. So you and I are no better than Ted Haggard. And we can easily be tripped up in the same way. We can easily give in to temptation. And so we all need help. We all need someone in our lives who knows us, someone in our lives that knows the the good, but knows the bad, knows the ugly. And even in spite of that, they love us and they wanna help us resist those things. Here's my definition of accountability. Accountability is a Christ-centered relationship which encourages spiritual growth and life change. See, I was born in Canada. And one of the first things they do for every Canadian, as soon as you're born, is they put you in ice skates. It's just what they, it's just what they do. It's, it's a thing, and mostly because everything's frozen, and so it's your only chance of, of survival up there. But as I grew up, I dreamed of playing professional hockey. That was my whole goal. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And unfortunately, I, I didn't make it that far. I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. And so in high school, I remember that I was all of a sudden faced with this question of, well, what else am I good at, right? Like, what else can I do? And it was a short list. And so I became a pastor because uh, it was really my only option. And, and so, uh, but I, as, you're, as you're playing, when you grow up playing hockey, all of a sudden there was no competitive leagues for me anymore. And so I had two options. I could either play in like a, a beer league, a men's league, or I could play church hockey. And you hear church hockey and it just, it just sounds so nice. It sounds like everyone would be polite and they'd probably pray for each other. Maybe you have communion after every time someone scores a goal, right? It just sounds like such a nice thing. It's not, people. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely terrible, right? It's one of those things, and we all see it. It's, it's one of those things where there was always that one guy who just tried too hard. You see it at YMCA basketball or men's league softball, whatever it is. And we're all out there. We're like, dude, we're all losers, right? This is church hockey. Like, there's no scouts coming to this. Like, just chill out. It was non-contact. But this guy came at me, and he hit me, and then he turned around, and he wanted to fight. Now, I didn't fight much when I played hockey through high school and college. I really didn't. But when I did fight, I never lost, right? And that's just my sin nature in me. It was just my sin nature. And my sin nature was tougher than the other guy's sin nature. It just always happened to be that way. And so he turned and he punched me. And I was like, oh, no, you didn't, right? I'm like, you better back up before I act up, right? Like, it's about to go down right here. And it's a good thing that I wasn't alone, right? Because I know if I was alone, I would have, I would have prayed. That's what I would have done. I would have prayed, Father, forgive me, because I'm about to sin, right? It's, it's about to go down right here. Jesus, I know you said, turn the other cheek. I'm about to punch him in the cheek, right? That's what's, that's what's gonna happen. Now, fortunately, I wasn't alone. And I looked up into the crowd and there was, there was sweet Laura up in the crowd with one leg over the glass yelling at me, take him out, right? And I'm like, I love this woman, right? I'm like, I think I asked her to marry me on the spot. I'm like, this is fantastic. Fortunately, we had a backup plan. She had invited some students to come and, and, and spend some time with her during the game and, and watch, and I was their youth pastor. And so all of this is going through my mind as I'm standing on the ice and this guy is face to face with me, breathing on me. And I remember, I remember thinking, how's this gonna go down, right? These kids are gonna go home and their parents are gonna say, so how was the game, sweetie? And they're gonna go, it was awesome, especially when the pastor knocked that joker out, right? It was amazing. Here's the bottom line to this. Accountability causes you to choose between your cravings and your character. This is always true. Because we all wanna have good character in our lives, but when we face our cravings, when those temptations show up, we know that they're always stronger than the desire to have good character. 
And when you have accountability in your life, what it does is it forces you to think through what's about to happen. And if I go down that road and I give in to my cravings, then on Tuesday when I meet with my accountability partner, I'm either gonna have to lie to them and, and, and just try and keep this a secret, and I know what happens when you keep secrets in my life, or I'm gonna have to tell them the truth, and that's never fun. There's, there's nothing comfortable, there's nothing exciting about telling them how I messed up again. And so maybe, maybe I'm gonna choose character. Because I don't want to have that conversation. You see, accountability, it helps you choose between your cravings and your, your character. Galatians 6, verse 1, Paul said this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. See, as a Christian, we may sin alone, but the reality is, is that our sin affects everyone. And so when we see someone else in sin, when we see someone else with struggles in their lives, when we see someone else having issues in their lives, it matters. And our goal should never be to, to try and get rid of them. Our goal should never be to try and isolate them from everyone else. Our goal instead should be to offer to help each other. And so who should we be looking for in our lives to help hold us accountable? Well, Paul says a few things in this. He says, we should be looking for someone who is godly. It should be someone who is also a follower of Christ. So you're not gonna get great accountability from someone who doesn't believe the same things that you believe and isn't trying to follow Jesus in their lives. They aren't gonna make the same decisions that you make. Paul says that we should look for someone who's gentle, someone who's humble. See, it doesn't say someone who's perfect or, or someone who's sinless. It just means that someone who's spiritually mature enough to, to handle you, to handle your, your struggles or your situation with humility and, and gentleness. The Greek word for the word help came from the medical world and it literally means to set a broken bone. You see, when you come alongside and help someone, it may be more painful in that moment when you help them, but the long term, in the long term, it's what's best for that person. It shouldn't be someone who, who is struggling with the same things that you are. See, good accountability doesn't happen if you're encouraging each other to sin. If you have a, an issue with drinking and, and your accountability partner has an issue with drinking and they suggest that you talk it out at the bar, that's probably not a good idea, right? And I'm not making light of that. It's just we, the goal is to stop. And so we need to choose wisely. And it also shouldn't be someone who will share, or it needs to be someone who will share your burdens. Literally, the word picture for that is someone who will carry the load on their shoulders with you. See, don't let them be crushed by the weight of their temptations or their sin nature or their sin because we all have that thing in our lives, right? That thing that we just can't get rid of, that thing that we just can't stop on our own. With accountability, what that does is that you shoulder the load together. You carry it together. You literally serve each other. It's a huge commitment. I'm not gonna lie to you. Accountability is a huge commitment. And you can either look at that and say, oh, that's just too much for me, right? I just don't have time. I don't have margin. Or we can look at it and let that motivate us and say, this is so serious. This matters. See, we can't live the Christ life without help. Now, let me just give you a little kind of side note on this. This is my belief. I don't believe that your accountability person should ever be your spouse. I really don't. Laura is, is my best friend. 
She would say she's my only friend. Uh, pray for me, right? She's really mean. Um, but I just don't believe that it should be your spouse. I believe it should be guys and, and guys together. I believe it should be ladies and, and ladies because we just aren't, we're not wired the same way. We don't think the same way about things and we're not tempted by the same things and we're definitely not tempted in the same ways. See, I tell Laura everything, but I don't use Laura as my accountability partner. So what should this accountability relationship look like? Let me just close out with a couple things. Here's the first, is that you meet together regularly. Hebrews 10 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, accountability only works when you are actually involved in each other's lives. The times in my life where I have met regularly with a group of guys, not only have I been closer to God, but I have made far less bad decisions in my life. But the few times in my life where I have made terrible decisions, and I have failed a few times, right? Every single one of those times, I was alone. Every single one of those times, I kept secrets from the people around me. I had no one there in my life to help me out. Right now, I've got four guys in my life that I know I can go to whenever I need something that ask me how I am. But if I'm honest with you, I struggled. When Mike and I started talking about this topic a few weeks ago, I struggled with writing this because one of the things that God convicted me of and showed me is that I haven't been meeting regularly with anyone lately. See, in the past, I was burned by a couple of guys that I, I shared everything with. I shared my struggles, I shared my failures, I shared my faults. What I didn't realize at the time is that they weren't sharing those things back. It just kind of became a, a glorified counseling appointment and then they turned their back on me. And so I know some of, you are, some of you are gun shy in this because you've been burned in the past as well. Here's my advice, find someone that you trust. Meet regularly, be real with each other, but both of you need to share your lives with each other. Here's a second, you need to protect each other. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. When Laura and I were teenagers and we were in high school, Billy Graham came to our city for one of his crusades and he used uh, the church that we attended as uh, uh, kind of the host for his team. And I remember hearing that, that Billy had a bunch of rules, but one of his rules was to never, ever be alone. He always traveled with another guy from his team. He never met with a female other than his wife alone. He never rode in an elevator alone because even though he was alone when it started, it could stop at a floor and a female could get in and he would be inside with, with just them. He, he always had someone that would walk in and check his hotel room with him just in case someone was trying to set him up. I know some of you, you travel a lot with business or whatever it is, and you may be thinking, that's, that's so extreme, right? That, that's just a lot of stuff to go through. But for Billy, he was very influential. God was using him in incredible ways. And he wasn't, he wasn't gonna allow that to be tarnished by one bad moment, by one false claim, by one tempting situation. You see, as a, as a church staff, Mike has, has put very similar parameters around us to protect us. But the reality is we can set all the rules we want. If we don't have someone in our lives that will help us stick to them, they're very easy to compromise on. Third is this, is that we confess to each other when we mess up, and we will, right? That's the reality of this battle that we're in. The question is this, what do you do when that happens? James 5 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be 
healed. Remember, being tempted isn't a sin. But when we give in to temptation, when we feed the beast in our lives, we need to own it. There's nothing more humbling than owning your failures with someone else. But I will also say there's nothing more freeing than when you let those secrets out and you let someone pick you up and dust you off and help you get back on the right path moving forward. I, uh, I love leading high school small groups. Uh, seriously, I, I think one of the toughest, but one of the, one of the, the greatest ministries in our church. And uh, we meet in homes every week based on the, the high schools that we reach as a church. We host the Apex Friendship Small Group at, at our house. Laura's a leader there. I'm a leader at the Green Hope uh, House. And so what happens every week is that we meet all together, they eat all of our food, and then we, we discuss together the topic for that day, and then we break up. The guys go off into their groups and the girls go off into theirs. And typically what happens is the guys' groups are done talking in about seven minutes, and then they're, they're saying like, can we go play video games, right? Like that. That's just typically what happens. The girls, they come down like three hours later and they've all been crying the entire time. They're like, I love you, right? Like, thanks for sharing your life, you complete me. And it's just like, it's unbelievable, right? To, to watch this. I think that's why girls go to bathrooms in pairs is so they can keep talking about all of the issues and, and things in their lives. But seriously, the group that of guys that I have right now, I love, I love these guys. And we've only been meeting for a few weeks, but week two, they got real with each other. And they started sharing their temptations and they started sharing their struggles and they started confessing stuff together. And here's what, they don't even know this yet, but I do because I've been in this long enough. If they stay committed to each other and they keep each other accountable in that. They're not just gonna graduate high school. They're gonna graduate with this unbelievably close relationship with God. And they're gonna graduate without the baggage that most of us left high school with. And some of us are still carrying around today. Here's the fourth one. You share advice. Share advice with each other. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. There was one time in my life where I was dealing with one of those, I'd rather keep this a secret sins, right? I didn't want anybody to know, but it, it, I knew that I needed help and I knew that it needed to come out. And, and so uh, I found two guys that had already dealt with this in their lives. And I listened to everything that they told me and I did everything that they said because they were further down the road than I was. See, the problem was is I just had waited too long. I kept things bottled up. I kept things as a secret for so long that by the time I messed up, now I had to confess and do the work afterwards. See, secrets always lead to compromise, but advice always leads to wisdom. So wherever you're dealing with, whether it's something in your marriage, maybe it's something at work, maybe it's a, an anger issue, maybe it's just a hurt that you've been holding on to for years, who will you allow in to give you that advice and to help you journey through that? Here's the last one. We celebrate and we mourn together. Romans 12, 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. See, when you mess up, when you're together, you, you just deal with it. And, and you mourn together that you messed up. But when you, when you do things the right way, when you resist temptation, when you, when you handle a relationship in the right way, when you forgive that person or that, that thing that you've been holding on to for years, when you make a healthy or a right decision, when you get control of your anger or you start to control your tongue and you're in that accountability relationship, man, you get a chance to celebrate together because God's goal is to transform us, to make us more and more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. See, in this series, we're learning that, that God takes us on as a project, but when he does, his desire is to, is to make us new. 
to take off the old self and to make us new and, and to, to rewire, to renew the way that we think. And so Mike has taught us up until this point how we take off the old self. Next week, he's gonna, actually the next two weeks, he's gonna talk to us about how we put on the new self, how our minds are renewed. But as long as you're breathing, you're gonna be in a struggle with your sin nature. So am I. And we need help. And so here's your homework for this week. This is one of the reasons, guys, why we constantly say you should be in a small group. You should be serving in a ministry because it puts you into intentional relationships with people. And as you do life together, it makes it easier to find those people who you say, you know what, I think I trust that person. But here's your homework for this week. You need to find someone. Call someone up, go grab coffee, and say, would you consider doing life together with me? I wanna be real with you. Will you be real with me? Can we share the garbage? We won't judge each other. We're gonna help each other. We're gonna encourage each other. We're gonna hold each other accountable and allow God to begin to change us and transform us from the inside out. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Just imagine what that would have looked like in your life six months ago, a, a year ago, 10 years ago. If you had had that person in your life, if you were willing to, to be real and to share your secrets, to share your temptations, to share the struggle that you have with your sin nature, for a lot of us, there'd be a lot less pain in our lives, a lot less baggage, a lot less broken relationships, a lot less regrets, a lot less shame and guilt. But that's in the past. Well, the choice that we get to make today is that we can choose if we're willing to allow somebody into our lives that could potentially impact and change our future. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let someone in, be real, hold each other accountable, and allow God to renew us and change us? Father, we thank you so much for what you have already done for us. Through Jesus, we know that you've already provided for our salvation, that you have already set us free. But God, we thank you that even though we're in the not yet stage, even though there are not yet areas in our lives, even though we will continue to battle with our sin nature, we're gonna continue to battle with our old ways of living. God, we thank you that you have not left us alone to fight. God, we not only have your spirit that's, that's battling thing within us, but you've also called us to fight in this together. And so God, will you give each of us just one person, one person that we can be real with, God, will you give us the courage to ask that person this week to meet together and to be vulnerable and share what's going on in our lives? Father, will you help us to do that? And as a result of that, that God, we'll be able to say no to our cravings and we'll be able to say yes to the character that you're developing within us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.